0: Hello and welcome to the PC Gamer UK podcast. My name is Samuel Roberts, and I'm the editor of PC Gamer, and I'm joined today by...
1: Tom Senior, at the web editor of PC Gamer. Andy Kelly, section editor. So, what section do you edit, Andy? I don't know. It's <laughs> <laughs> a really generic
2: title, isn't it? Yeah, that's just my generic business title. <laughs> We've never figured that out. No, I'm just... No one knows. My spiritual title is just word man head of shareable content is yeah Andy's. content creator yeah wordsmith content creator <laughs> like content Andy's sharer content creator visionary <laughs> and plus director what plus of, actor
0: one of my objectives for the year is to figure out what section Andy edits so yeah like, uh, then yeah um, no, it's uh, it's all good. Um, so today, uh, we've got a little bit of a change in format. Um, last week, you'll remember that we did a kind of more of a sort of retro-y, feature thing, and they got a really good response, actually, and not just because Phil threatened people to write reviews on iTunes, which did work. I mean, <laughs> Really? Yeah. Um, but this week we're just going to talk about some games, because uh, we've got a fairly big exclusive, uh, which is cool. And um, and Andy's been, got into Dark Souls, which I'm intrigued uh, to hear about, because mm. he's been banging on about it on Twitter non-stop. <laughs> and uh, he's also been to EVE FanFest, where he played some of uh, CCP's VR demos, um, yeah. one of which sounded very cool. So we're going to talk a bit about that. Tom, let's start then with uh, Warhammer 40,000 Dawn of War 3, which um, we've, I think... Pretty sure we've seen before anyone else in the world. Just you, only you.
1: It was just me at the thing. Yeah. Uh, and they they'd set up like a, a Warhammer forty thousand diorama on a table, and then there was a big screen, and then they they were really excited because they're not showing it to anyone before. And then I, I saw Dawn of 4 three.
0: Wow. Uh, so it's a so it's a real time strategy game like the last one, but mm. it's a bit uh, it's increased in scale, right?
1: Yeah. It's it's kind of uh, what they're trying to do is bring in uh, the best elements of one and two into a kind of unified whole uh, where they go back to the army sizes of the first game. There's bases are back. So there's base building. They'll turn out your little space Marines. Uh, and uh, but at the same time, they've got these hero units uh, uh, like elite units that have their own special abilities and can be leveled up over the course of the campaign. And your choice of your three hero uh, elite units really kind of defines your play style. Uh, so like you might have a really good rush army that has loads of heroes that get out really quickly or you might have a really good turtling one which has uh, something like the Imperial Knight which is the biggest unit they've ever built coming in at the end and just with Gatling guns for arms mowing down the enemy in a kind of flourish of total destruction. Oh that's awesome.
2: For someone like me who doesn't really understand Dawn of War, why were those
1: games good and why is it good that it's returned? Uh, So it's pretty much like they don't make them like this anymore. (laughs) In terms of the, if you want to box select a load of uh, kind of spacemen, and then watch them shoot thousands of lasers at <laughs> other spacemen until they are dead and have exploded <laughs> into little bloody chunks. Like this is this is the, the one game that comes around every kind of five to ten years and gives you that. Uh, and th- this time they've gone for quite like a very colourful uh, look to it. It, look,
0: it looks great actually. Like um, mm. we've got some uh, screens on the site so you can get a glimpse of what it looks like. PCGamer.com. But um, mm. yeah, it looks. Uh, it, it it does look. Pretty uh, pretty big in terms of like how much is going on on the screen at any one time.
1: Yeah, I mean uh, the, the battle they showed me it seems to get up to about 100 units on the on the, the screen just uh, lasering each other. Cool. Uh, and they've kind of uh, it seems like they've sacrificed a little bit of the kind of close up detail to give the overall uh, battle a lot more kind of flash and flare. Uh, and it just in motion it looks amazing because uh, they've just got this incredible kind of laser fire effects and missiles going off and you're kind of uh, t- pick it, like clicking on your super unit and activating their special abilities. And they've done loads and loads of work to make the battlefield more readable. So that you, the biggest, most exciting thing happening on the, on the battlefield is probably also the most dangerous. And the best example of that is the orbital space laser that the space marines have, which is uh, their super ability in each race. Uh, the three races are Orcs, Eldar, and space marines. And each of them will have their own mega ability, uh, which lets you basically, in the case of the space marines, laser, like. Dirty guys to death with a giant it's like a sky beam. And
0: didn't you say the laser gets bigger for each time you kill someone till it becomes super big?
1: Yeah, so which is exactly how lasers work. This is uh, <laughs> the science of lasers. Yeah. So once you bring the the laser down, uh, it's, it's you can move it around right, by right clicking, mm. and as you move it over enemies, it kind of sucks them up and uh, just immolates them. They just turn to ash, and you can actually see them kind of writhing and then you know disappearing into clouds. Awesome. Um, which looks great. And uh, <laughs> the more the beam eats. Uh, the fatter it gets, slower it gets, <laughs> um, and the more damage it does. So uh, there's this element of kind of they they call it like playing counterplay, where um, wherever you are on the battlefield, if your opponent brings down the orbital laser, you're gonna you're gonna fucking hear it, and you, the screen's gonna flash. And you're going to be like, this is shit. I've got to move my men out of the way. And then there's a little kind of uh, cat and mouse race as the laser kind of chases uh, all <laughs> these units and tries to suck up as many as it can. Yeah. So is it is it like a RTS in the style of StarCraft, like build a
2: base? Yeah. Yeah. Um, build structures, build better units, kind of thing.
1: Yeah, pretty much. Uh, which is interesting because the second game moved away from that.
2: Yeah, I was going to say, I, I think I played the second
0: one, and it was like a squad-based thing. And it got a cool response from some players who really liked the kind of more traditional RTL elements for the first game, right? Yeah,
1: it's, it's really interesting. Uh, Dawn War 2 is a really interesting game because it predicted the, the kind of rise of the MOBA more popularly, it was kind of ahead of its time in that way because the way you control those hero units is how you control heroes in Dota, for example, and they wanted to make a game about that level of micro over, over a small series of kind of special forces. Um, so you'd have maybe like twelve guys, and they would all have loads of abilities, and the game was about bringing out those abilities in the correct way to just just unravel, uh, pick up, pick apart enemy squads and things like that.
0: A big part of the appeal of the uh, the series generally is just the um, the fan service and how much forty uh, k you get to see on screen at once, like. Just uh, I remember the comparison they always used to make in BCG was um, like imagine how much this would cost you to uh, you know <laughs> to buy all of these models it would cost you, oh, yeah, you know, hundreds of pounds but obviously you've got them all right there and then and it all looks amazing that's basically the game i always wanted as a kid and um yeah this uh, I, I can't help but feel like uh, yeah it does look like a kind of ideal hybrid of the two you know when you see uh, mm. when you see the screens there's big enemy unit and then loads and loads of little units shooting each other as well
1: yeah which is always the 40k fantasy when you see their uh, kind of 40k art it's always like a sea of men and uh, and women with laser and bolter guns and then giant titans kind of Treading through them, and that there's a there's a strong element of that to the way they've done it, uh, and they've, they've also kind of uh, adopted the, uh, the kind of the way the painted units look rather than going back to kind of grim dark, a, a quite dour look of of the uh, kind of uh, Games Workshop's early art for 40k. Mm. So they they do look like little painted models, and they they've really kind of the art style really exaggerates that, uh, which is pretty. I, I think it looks great. Um, I'll be interested to see what people think of it. Yeah, I was going to sure. say
2: that that would be so cool if like. You started a match, and it looked like the tabletop game. And the camera just sinks down, and all the little painted figures just come to life. And they look, <laughs> look hand painted. Um, you can see the sort of hand painted detail on them. That would be cool. That's just a little flight. Of fancy <laughs> I just like the idea of that, like a, cool walk. a walk, like I'm one of those tables and games walk, workshop just suddenly coming to life. Yeah,
1: yeah, like Toy Story, but with yeah. more <laughs> death and destruction. Yeah. giant robots.
2: It looks, uh, it looks really, really cool. And um,
0: you know, certainly in a kind of like reasonably. Oh, actually, it's been a reasonably good time for RTS games actually like yeah, it's yeah, been between good. Homeworld Deserts Crack and um Ashes of the Singularity. It's got a bit of a middling response from some people but like um it's actually picking up, up again a bit now.
1: It's a, uh, it's an interesting kind of trade uh, that's happening between StarCraft and Warhammer. Um so they they've they've really um Relic went on and on about accessibility which is their big kind of buzzword for the projects So they, they want people who aren't necessarily into 4 K to be able to pick it up mm. and understand what's going on and for it not to be too mad because Relic have made some very, very technical, difficult RTS games like Company of Heroes and they're, they're amazing but they're not, like, you don't just pick them up. You have to spend a lot of time Engaging with their systems yeah. before it makes any sense.
0: Dawn of War always was a bit more accessible, though. Mm. You could just jump into a skirmish in the first game, particularly, and then just you know, um, and, and then you, you could more or less work out how to do it based on how all RTS
1: games. <laughs> yeah, precisely. And, and, and this is going to be very similar. Uh, they're, they're really working hard on that, but at the same time, they're looking at the hero, the elite selection. So you, you choose your three elite units or heroes before you go into a, a battle, and that defines your playstyle. And they want to have a kind of. Um, something similar to like a, a pick counter pick uh element of the sort that happens before dota matches where uh, players can see each other's hero picks and that actually affects kind of perhaps how you would respond and how you'll build your army so they've, they've hinted at greater layers of uh strategy beyond just the kind of box select left click right click win uh kind of level of stuff they've really uh, they've changed cover completely as well so uh, um, Relic games tend to have loads of buildings and loads of kind of walls, and uh, a big part of the games is about getting guys into cover correctly on the cr- ro- on the right side of cover. Um, that's kind of all gone, it seems, in Dawn of War 3. Instead, there are these kind of bunkers, uh, and whoever owns the bunker uh, gets to sit in there, and they're pretty much immune from bullets while they're in there. But they can shoot out, and the counter to that is assault units. So um, close combat units actually have a very dedicated purpose now, whereas before you just kind of wade them in along with everyone else. Now they are kind of siege breakers. Uh, and the example that he showed was uh, Space Marine Assault Marines, and they've just got giant backpacks, and they just boost themselves, boost, jump into um, the, the middle of an enemy unit with chainsaws, and they start just sawing people up. And that's how you, you break heavy cover now. So you was- send them in, and they just... Horribly eviscerate whoever's in un unlucky enough to be in there and then it's then it's theirs that <laughs> uh, it belongs blocks the space Marines now and they, you move in your your kind of big shooter units into there and they they've got protection so there's, there's they've they've made some sacrifices in detail to make th- uh the wider battle more readable mm. uh, and easier to understand uh so wow. I'd be interested to see like, how complex it, it, it really is when you actually start playing it.
0: Oh, that's really exciting. Mm-hmm. Um, well if you want to hear more about uh, Dawn of War 3, or read about it rather, um, issue 292 of PC Gamer UK is out on the 5th of May and uh, comes with a free copy of Dawn of War 2 in print as well, so um, yeah, you, it's also available digitally so you can <coughs> uh, you can read more of Tom's impressions and uh, learn a lot more about the game there. Yeah. Yeah, very exciting. And also on pcgamer.com there will be some, uh, there'll be Loads some of stuff up too. Yeah. yeah, very exciting. That's cool. Um, Cool. Um,
1: I think I'm going to have to go and actually sort out all that stuff you're about to read on <laughs> PCGamer.com. Great stuff. So uh, I'll, I'll leave you guys to talk about Dark Souls. Yes. Um, Appreciate it, Tom. Uh, see you guys. I'll
0: pretend to be you while you're not here. So. Brilliant. <laughs> so, Andy, Dark Souls 3.
2: Yeah. Seems like
0: Dark Souls has really captured your imagination a month ago. You're just a normal guy like okay. me. You're just getting on I with know. your life, you know, playing GTA, um, tweeting your good Twitter game. <laughs> and uh, what happened?
2: Yeah, I don't know. It's I've gone like... On a, from being one of those people that says, oh, Dark Souls isn't for me, to, as you've seen on Twitter, one of those people who doesn't show up about Dark Souls. You're like reading books on it now as well, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah there's an excellent book um, called You Died, which is a companion to the first Dark Souls, written by two talented journalists. Mm. Uh, and it's really good if you, if you like Dark Souls and you, you can't bear to be away from it. I'm lying in bed now with my Kindle reading about Dark Souls. And really, you couldn't ask for a better named reading device than a Kindle Yeah, yeah. for Dark Souls. But, um, so yeah, for, for whatever reason, the third one, I've not hit that brick wall yet. I'm 27 hours in. Um, I've just reached... Um, I don't want to say any names to spoil things because the Dark Souls community, as I've learned, is quite... Um, certain people can get quite upset if you reveal the names of places. But basically, I'm I'm at... That place where you step out and you see the most amazing vista, moonlit vista, um, which is an incredible area, and it's just after a really gruelling section through some catacombs. Someone at home is going. He
0: spoiled the moon. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you, <know.
2: laughs> you emerge from this like dreary like catacomb section, which was actually really fun and challenging, but just corridors of bones, mm. and you come out the most amazing vista you've ever seen. Um, so yeah, I've beaten like you know seven bosses and. Um, I don't know what it is about this one that's that's kept me going. I think the fast travel system, um, because why I gave up on the first game was that thing of dying at a boss and then having to run all the way back to the boss. Whereas now the fast travel points seem quite... There's a little bit of running back, but the placement is quite fair. So Mm. I never feel like I'm retreading. That's the thing that puts me off games, retreading the same ground. I hate doing the same thing again and again. Um, whereas Dark Souls, the the level design, the bonfire is always, you know, either via shortcut or just careful sprinting, is always near the boss. So I think that's a big thing that's kept me on it. Um, but yeah, it's just it's just so incredibly deep. And all the things I'm saying here are things that people will have realised about Dark Souls when yeah. the first one came out. I'm new to it. This is my first one I've properly got into. And there's just a the sheer amount of 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 lousy peel back every time you. Um, you level up, or you find a new weapon, or you know you find some just random weapon lying in a sewer somewhere, and it'll have some amazing, um, like battle art attached to it, which are these special moves mm. that will then work against a certain stat you might have built up, or you know it's just, it, on the surface it seems like. You know, just a kind of third person combat game. You know, we are just a lot of fighting, but. There really is RPG depth there on a on a on a level I've not really encountered, you know, in another game. It's, wow,
0: yeah. it's, it's funny because I remember, uh, like at Christmas when I started playing Bloodborne, I think you told me that, um, yeah, that you just uh, the difficulty would just you were like, nope, that's not for me. That's absolutely not for yeah. me. And like, um, yeah, you think it's just maybe maybe it's just become more refined over time. So yeah, the placement of bonfires and stuff like that minimises frustration. You know, yeah, it
2: feels it feels fairer and it is it's difficult, but. There hasn't been a bit yet where I've been really, really stuck. I think it's just you get you train yourself to be in a certain mindset of always having your shield up, always really paying attention to the level design. Because often, like, if there's an amb- ambush waiting ahead, you oft- sometimes you'll be able to see the enemies waiting from a different part of the level. You know, you'll look through. I use the binoculars a lot mm. um, to scout ahead, and you'll often see clues about what's coming. So it's really just about being observant and prepared and um, also helps just having a really good weapon you know I've been like I've, I've got all these exotic weapons I've found but I've just been using the basic long sword and just upgrading the hell out of it with yeah. titanite shards and chunks and that scales to your, um, your strength and I've been boosting my strength so like my, my character is kind of tanky I hit hard and I can take it and you know I can take a bit of a beating so that's made it quite easy like there was a a boss that's caused a lot of people trouble, like a magic using boss, and I just steamrolled in there and just beat the, beat them, it, her, him to a pulp, <laughs> um, you know, and interrupted their spell casting, and I found it really easy. So I kind of, I've made a character that can soak up a lot of damage and and de- deal a lot of damage, but also isn't re- you know has a bit of speed as well, um, you know. So that's another one of those layers, like your the equipment you have. Um, dictates the speed of your roll so I'm always making sure that my character is wearing a certain amount of gear so that my roll is of a sufficient speed to avoid certain enemies whilst also being able to hit hard and, and it's, yeah, you just feel like you're really tailoring your character to your specific level of play mm-hmm. to the point where sometimes I'll try a different weapon just for the fun of it and I'll totally lose my rhythm, like, it's all about settling into a rhythm almost second guessing the level designers like looking ahead and going, right, there's an item sat there and yeah. they open It's a sort of shadowy area there or a pile of barrels so you think well there's going to be an enemy behind the barrels or there's going to be a slug on the roof immediately above right that will jump on my head and and suck my brains out so yes i've just found i've got into the rhythm i think that i never did with the other games and and it's just really it's just so satisfyingly challenging and surprising and the mythology is so interesting like I'm just loving reading i all this a lot of the mythologies and item descriptions. Mm-hmm. So the you, you, when I said earlier, you'll find a random sword and a sword, whatever. A lot of the times, the placement of the item, where it was found, what enemy was guarding it, um, the location, and you read the item description, reveal a little bit of color about where that armor you found came from. Um, so yeah, it's just it's it's an absolutely beguiling game that I've just immediately just sunk deep into, and I'm not playing anything else it's all I care about at the moment Wow, game, games wise
0: amazing. do you think you will you go back and play the other two now
2: I don't know actually I think like you said about that refinement I think going back to the first one especially might be a bit of a a lot of those conveniences like fast travel um, might make it a bit too grueling but I, I would like to um, I'm also enjoying playing at co-op. Um, when I, whenever I beat a boss, I'll spend a while dropping a summon sign outside and just helping other players get through it. Yeah. Which is really satisfying on like a fundamental helping people level, but you also get tons of souls for it. And if you die, you don't lose them. So. Right. Um, it's a good way of like farming souls and helping out new players, and I love that feeling of helping a new player for a really tough boss, and then they do the um, one of their emotes like the, the jumping for joy one. You're like, I did a bit of good there. And also, I I'm a sun bro which means I've joined the Warriors of Sunlight Covenant, which is yeah. like a co-op covenant. Um, and, I, and I get these medals whenever I help someone that I presume can be used for something. I've got loads of them. But it's really cool that when you when you join the Warriors of Sunlight, whenever someone summons you, you appear in a golden light, and you sort of emerge out of the ground praising the sun. and It, may, it just it makes me feel really, really good. Oh, wow. I'm, I'm fully embracing the sort of, like, the the spirit of, like,
0: you do sound like been
2: sort of brainwashed by by <laughs> some kind of cult or religion. Yeah, now. yeah. Whenever I talk about it on Twitter, people like you send about like Tom Cruise or something. Sort of, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sort of. I'm a bit of a zealot for the Sun Bros. Uh, yeah, so it, yeah, it, it, I've not done any PvP yet. I'm just all about helping people, and I think that makes the whole Dark Souls experience. You can give a little something back because I've I've summoned people so many times for certain parts of the game just because it's some bits are so tough to do on your own just calling in a sun bro it's mm-hmm. like seeing the golden light of them arriving it's genuinely like a, be- a beautiful moment and i like to be I like to give that pleasure <laughs> as well as receive it that sounds weird no
0: i sort of get that like um i I've, <laughs> I've not played dark souls 3 i kind of want to because it just looks amazing like there's a real step up in terms of like how the good the draw distance and world is compared to the, the first two games um yeah. i've played bloodborne and I've I've encountered many of the similar many similar systems and um, yeah like uh, I don't know I I don't feel like I I could start a new one without finishing that one first like yeah if, if it, it it pains me to leave that journey behind you know
2: yeah I I haven't played Bloodborne but I hear it's a lot more um, aggressive than Dark Souls but also I hear that this Dark Souls is more um, a lot most enemies can take a big chunk of your health off and you, a lot of them can kill you in two hits even normal enemies so as much as it's a game about guarding Mm. it's also i found it really encourages you to be aggressive and instead of just really hanging back all the time with your shield up just to get amongst it and i kind of like that because it it suits my build which is like strength based hitting hard type tank build yeah and so like i like the way it encourages you just to not be so timid you've got to force yourself to be confident to get through a lot of it
0: yeah, like the um, the the um, uh, I I I feel I feel almost overwhelmed by the uh, weapon choice you're describing there, where some uh, weapons have different those kind of like arts you talk bat about, lots, yeah. Arts, like, uh, kind of worrying about getting the right one of those would freak yeah. me out a bit. But it's I think quite... I think what you did with the long sword is exactly how I'd approach <laughs> yeah. it. Yeah, I'll just stick with this. I know it works for me, so you know, put all yeah. energy into this.
2: It's quite free. I think a good thing about Dark Souls is that no weapon is useless. Like they all have strengths and weaknesses. I mean, you can. Uh, there was a section I went through with the great scythe just because that is a massive spread of damage mm-hmm. and there was loads of skeletons and I was just carving for them, you know. So, you, it's kind of you don't really have to use any other weapon like like yeah, like I said, you can just focus on one you're comfortable with, and it, you get to a point where upgrade materials that were once quite rare are mm. uh, you've got them in abundance. Like for the first um, half of the game, our first quarter of my playtime, I was like every Titanite shard was like. Yes, I can upgrade my weapon. Now I've got twenty four and nothing to use them on. All right. So it's kind of like, it, You can stick with it. You don't have to be tied down to a weapon. If you want to start upgrading another a new weapon you have found, you don't have, you aren't losing loads of progress. You can do it. So it's quite free. Like that's yeah, that's another thing. The freedom of, um, how you play. Like you can change your style. Like if you if I decide uh, later into the game I want to get into pyromancy, I can buy I can just buy some spells. And you can even respec your stats as well. So if you've gone down way down the road of leveling up and you're like, I don't like this build, you can just respec. So it's pretty pretty free. Yeah, you, yeah. You, you never get you never get penned into a corner or go down a point and no return kind of thing. You can always change your play style.
0: Wow, twenty seven hours in. Then, but you um yeah, well you can uh, come back on next episode and talk about how uh, whether you get to the end or not. I'm intrigued to know yeah. whether you'll see it through or whether you're yeah. burnt out on it. The bet
2: I've got to now that place I described with the big man Vista Vester. Pretty hard, and a lot of people on Twitter are like, "Yeah, this is when it it starts to pick up in difficulty." But then people said that for the last few areas, which I kind of breezed through. Yeah, I breezed through the catacombs, Cathedral of the Deep. I got through that pretty quickly.
0: So you talk about these, like you said, like these uh, naming these areas is kind of spoilery. But every every area in Dark Souls is called the catacombs
2: (laughs) or or the Cathedral of the Deep. Yeah, I just didn't want to name that one place actually with a moonlit vista because it's kind of tied to the storyline but yeah like early places like the high wall of Lothric I don't mind saying that (laughs) Um, but yeah it's basically it's brilliant I mean if you've always bounced against Dark Souls games I was the poster boy for bouncing off of Dark Souls games and and I looked through my Twitter history and it was like me throwing my hands in the air and going Fuck this series, I'm done with it. Have but you gone
0: back and erased those tweets? <laughs> no, so there's no I kept evidence. them there
2: as a as a reminder of my folly. Go and print it out next to your desk, like <laughs> yeah. uh, never again. <laughs> but now, like, yeah, now I'm like, I'm, I'm, i I love, I love Dark Souls. It's, it's going to be, I predict it's going to be my game of the year. It's going to take something really special to, to beat it. Yeah,
0: well, I think it's going to end up being PCG's game of the year because scored higher than anything else so far. Yeah. So I, uh, I, yeah.
2: I, I admit, when I saw James's review, I looked at the score and went, eh. Yeah. Because we're allowed to think that about other writers, you know, we're all humans with <laughs> individual minds. You know, you, I respect the score, but I went, uh, "Really?" But then I'm like, "Yeah, really." Yeah. <laughs> really, really, really deserves that score. It's, yeah. It's amazing. I have to make sure we all
0: play it then, just so we can, uh, when we vote at the end of the year, we'll all, you know, know what it's. It's, about. it's good to have
2: a bit of help. I've been streaming a bit of it, and people in the chat have been helping, like who have played it, and they've been not going like, not telling me step by step what to do, but yeah. just dropping hints and going, "Oh, there's a shortcut there." stuff like that that helps and having uh you know i use the wiki as well occasionally i don't i'm not scared to, some people go in totally blind but i don't mind looking at an enemy type on the wiki just to see if it has a weakness or whatever like you, you've got to help, let people help you whether it's in game co-op people on twitter people on twitch chat like don't be afraid to call in a sun bro because i'm always willing to come in <laughs> with my golden light and help and help, yeah. and help
0: well no, I, I I I had that with Bloodborne too. Like um, as soon as I put out things saying, "Oh, I'm at this point, but I'm not really here." Like people who never ever talk to me on Twitter suddenly go, "Oh
2: yeah, you have got to try this and do this." And yeah, do there's that. something about Dark Souls that yeah, people who are all in it together, tweet, man. Yeah, <laughs> they just they just can't help but go. I know that. I need to. I need to help. So it is like that's a, a big theme of that um, book I mentioned. You died, which is about how it's such a community experience, Dark Souls, mm. and not always positive. You have got PvP as well, like. Sometimes people want to kill you, but that's all part of, yeah. The community, the wiki is an amazing community. There's just people pouring all this information into the wiki for free. Wow! Like, yeah.
0: Ah, good stuff, man. Well, uh, yeah, we'll uh, catch up on that <coughs> down the line, I'm sure. But um, you also went to uh, CCP's Eve fanfest in Iceland, right? Um, what was that like, and what was the uh, what were the kind of cool VR things that you played there?
2: Yeah, so this is my second fan fest, which is. For my money, the best games event I think I've been to, like it's such a weird thing just to get, you know, 1500 EVE players, 200 EVE devs, take them all to Iceland, and just have four days of partying and talking about internet spaceships. <laughs> um, my role there as a press man is just to space, that you interview a million people from CCP about everything they're doing, and you also get to play stuff. Um, So the event's at this place called Harper in Reykjavik, which is this massive concert hall that looks like an Eve spaceship. Mm. It's like a big crystal, crystalline sculpture on the harbour of Reykjavik, surrounded by nothing, just grey nothingness. It's amazing, Um, and sounds like your sort of place. Yeah, (laughs) well Iceland's an amazing place. When you're driving in from the airport, you're just surrounded by nothing, just volcanic tundra, (laughs) treeless tundra. It's amazing. Uh, It's one of my favorite landscapes nice. so that's good a good excuse but but at fanfest you mostly just see the inside of the harper because you're in there all day just doing interviews and stuff which is great um so they had a thing called project arena which is a, a vr experiment because ccp's approach to game dev now um is kind of get devs to make stuff mm. experiments or prototypes and if it seems good they'll make a full game of it so valkyrie the uh, Oculus Rift game was a Unity prototype. Someone made one. I think two people made. Wow. And then they looked, and it got such a big buzz at a fan fest event that they
0: opened a studio in Newcastle yeah, to make it and
2: made it a full game and got like you know the someone who worked on Mirror's Edge to be the lead gameplay designer and you know they like they invested in it. Mm. Yeah. You know, um, so they're doing the same there with Project Arena, which is kind of like uh, it's it's one of the best VR games I've played. Even though it's really simple, it's just like Pong. Basically, imagine Pong. But instead of a paddle moving up and down, it's a human being moving wherever a human being might want to move. Right. Um, so you're in a corridor that looks like Tron, It's all made of light and stuff. Uh, you're at one end of the corridor. Another player is at the other end of the corridor. That's another player with a VR headset on. Um, you've got the touch controllers to simulate your in-game hands. On one hand, you've got a shield. On one hand, you've got a gauntlet. And all you, you basically throw a disc back, back and forth at each other a multitude of discs and you have to bat them away or hit the other person so if you hit the other person you score a point and that's basically it you've just got to hit them with this disc but they've got a shield that they can bounce it off of you and because it's all physics and um, when you hit this disc it pings around in this corridor like a ricocheting bullet so right. there's that constant thing of like following that with your eyes and also throwing your own disc to hit them it's but it, I've made that sound over complicated. You're just throwing a disc backwards and forwards and you've got to hit the other person. You don't have to walk around or anything. No, you you can move uh, within like a small radius, but basically, yeah, you, you can dodge and um, when a disc is flying at you, you instinctively find yourself ducking, dodging, sidestepping. Uh, but then to throw it, you just hold your arm back and as if you were throwing a you know, baseball in real life mm. and you throw your disc. But it, it's super fast. And because the other player is a person with human reflexes <clears throat> and not some sort of Lumbering AI, yeah it's incredibly intense, and it doesn't feel like a video game. It feels like a sport, because right? it's physical. You're not using any skills that you've developed from playing video games apart yeah. from reactions or timing or whatever, but you, are, you know you are moving, you're throwing, you're pulling your arm back and tossing the disc. and it's just I can really imagine like you know it's really fun to watch as well, like at the event, they, they had screens up showing it from a sort of tennis on the TV type view from mm. above so you could like watch people playing it and they had a tournament and like it was legitimately like amazing and most you know like elite is amazing in in vr because you know you're sitting in a spaceship and you're flying around and you're doing game stuff whereas this is amazing just because it's so physical like it just taps into skills that you you know learned when you were a kid of throwing things and not getting hit by things yeah yeah it's amazing
0: that's cool so it is a standing up VR experience, then. yeah,
2: it's, and it uses the touch controllers, and if it's on the Vive, I imagine it will use the whatever the Vive things yeah. are. But um, yeah, you can see you've got two disembodied hands floating in front of you in the game, and those mi- mirror the every move of your hands on the touch controllers. Wow, um, but yeah, it's just you—you it, you have to just try it. I mean, no, no amount of words can convey how amazing it feels just to be in there, and and you—you you, you almost forget you're wearing a headset. It's just so. The, the primal instinct to just not get hit by a thing flying at your head yeah yeah it really kicks in and you forget you're in VR it's it's quite it's quite amazing
0: wow good, good stuff hopefully yeah. we'll get to try it out then uh, yeah. pretty soon but do um, you see anything else there that was of note <coughs> uh, um, at uh,
2: it was just a lot of stuff about Eve going forward um they they've just released a new expansion called Citadel and mm. um, where well, the idea is to get Play, uh, massive groups of players to combine resources to build like cities, basically. Wow. And of course, it being Eve, these cities will can be attacked and destroyed. And there's one particular city that is so big; it's bigger than Manhattan. Uh, and considering your spaceship is like the size of a seven four seven, some of them. Oh, what in relative it's, spaces? It's, yeah, yeah, right, okay, yeah, 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 it's massive. It'll, you know, it'll fill the whole screen if you're next to it. But it's so big, and there can only be one of them in the universe at any one time. So obviously the power that builds this thing is going to become a target because people are going to want, to want to blow that thing up. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, they're just adding big space cities and the ability to to destroy them. So okay. that's going to make some... They're, they're so big that um, the biggest ships in the game, Titans, is like, park in them. They dock with them. Oh, so, wow. Yeah, so they're, like, you know, the biggest structure in the game, I think. But um, players have to build them. And it was something like a massive fraction of the... All the money that exists within Eve is required to build this thing. So, but the thing with these updates is, for starting out player, you're gonna be you're never gonna see any of that stuff. You know, for hours and hours and hours, if you make it that far. Yeah. Um. They ha- they've hired a brain expert. Okay. <laughs> uh, he's called CCP Ghost, and he looks like Geralt of Rivia. Okay. Um. He's a, he's a really interesting character. He he gave us a talk, and on the screen behind him was just a picture of his own brain. Like a scan of his brain. And he yeah. went, that's my brain. And he went, because... And, and that was how he went on to talk about... Because <clears throat> his brain has got some weird quirk of biology to it. Okay. And that got him interested in brain biology. And so, of course, CCP hired him to improve the new player experience. How drunk were you at Phantom? <laughs> this really <laughs> happened. this sounds real. <laughs> Just
0: a man. Yeah, well, that's my brain up there.
2: Yeah. Well, <laughs> CCP famously hired an economist... Right. Yeah. At one point, to work in their economy and hired a psychologist for something, so now they've hired another kind of brain expert mm. to figure out why so many Eve players sign up for a trial and never come back. Yeah. And the reason for that is it's so impenetrable. And the tutorial, the tutorial and Eve took me twenty two hours. Yeah. I think I have said that in the podcast before, but it's <laughs> but it's a ridiculous figure. So he's been brought in to figure out how to keep people playing. Right. Um, And I think they're talking about, um, which I think is a brilliant idea, is to, you'll start EVE online and you'll be put into like a big, one of those big battles you see screenshots of. Mm. You'll be put into a simulated one to get a taste of, right, here's what it's like to be in a big battle.
0: That's a nice idea. Then
2: you'll get put into like, here's what it's like to explore a wormhole and you'll be given all the stuff to do it. Whereas in the game, you'd have to mess around and upgrade your ship and get all the stuff to, do wormhole exploration and you go in and probably get killed but this gives you a taste of all that exciting cool eve stuff yeah from the safety of a like a simulation before dumping you in, into the game which i think is a brilliant idea yeah for sure um, a lot of people won't like it because they, they'll think it betrays the idea of eve being a completely player-led no scripted events type thing but i'd love it i'd love to just get like the first 10 hours being given tastes of of exciting Eve stuff before I actually start playing the game. Yeah, yeah, you got.
0: I think giving people a taste of what's to come. I mean, yeah, like I say, twenty-two yeah. hours of it, tutorials. Like that's <laughs> that's such a big ask of people. Yeah, if they really are concerned about building a new player base going forward, yeah. then they have to keep that stuff it's in their mind.
2: Interest as a business, isn't it? Just yeah, to, yeah, because they they're obviously branching out to VR and stuff, and um, they're doing an, an FPS as well called Project Nova. Mm. Um, but I think yeah, Eve will su- Maybe will survive with its current player base. Um, whenever you log into Eve, it's always about 40,000 people who are on the server at any one time. Right. Um, But that's pretty small compared to some MMOs, but it's a small dedicated audience. But yeah, This this if this brain man works his brain magic, then. CCP Ghost, yeah. you say? Yeah, that's. I can't remember his real name, but you know, all, all people at CCP have a name. Yeah. CCP something. He's CCP Ghost, and he really does look like Geralt. <laughs> <laughs>
0: oh that's awesome well yeah. I hope that yields some interesting results we'll, uh, yeah. we'll, we'll we'll try and write something on that and yeah. see uh, maybe try and force one of the other team members to play even see if that um, you know captures their imagination yeah maybe we can get
2: the brain man to look at the brain
0: yeah that sounds good I am certainly, <laughs> certainly intrigued to hear more from this chap yeah. who you definitely didn't make up and is a no, real guy no he's definitely real I wonder who the will next like an orthodontist or like <laughs> <Yeah>. uh...
2: <laughs> just all the experts of, yeah. yeah philosopher yeah <laughs>
0: okay cool cheers Andy thanks for uh, debriefing me on the brain man Uh, we'll be back next episode uh, with the full team Uh, if you want to send us some questions you can mail us at pcgamer at or you can message me on twitter I'm Samuel W. Roberts Andy at ultra brilliant that's cool Uh, let me know what you think of the show uh, what we should be doing what we shouldn't be doing Uh, your feedback is much appreciated if you want to leave us a review on iTunes that'd be much appreciated but you don't have to and uh, we'll be back next week thank you very much